welcome to our online service and welcome also to my backyard. <laughs> For those of you watching this right now, uh, this is my backyard and I actually didn't realize how many airplanes fly over until right now because it's been nonstop <laughs> since I got out here. So you don't realize that. Uh, I'm really glad that you're here with us today and hopefully you mostly pick up the audio of my voice and uh, not much else. But we're going to dive in today and I'm really excited to share some content with you today from a really amazing passage of the Bible. I'll start out by letting you know it's been a long time since I've been a visitor at a church. This week I went to another church. It was about an hour east of where I live and there was a gathering for uh, uh, pastors and other church leaders and, and just a, a, a sort of a gathering for some encouragement and some teaching time. And it was really good. We met at a church building that is brand new um, and it was it's amazing. <laughs> they actually just started meeting it a couple months ago. It's got a brand new parking lot, a new auditorium, which is huge. Um, and everything about it was great. Uh, even the worship team was great, really good. E e even the pastor <laughs> who was leading the time was excellent. Everything about it was so good. It was very different than what I'm used to though. The size of it, the style of it was different. And I don't know about you, but have you ever been to a church that's different than what you're used to or different than what you expected? Part of me loved how nice everything was and the other part of me felt a little uncomfortable. In fact, do you know what I did? I started criticizing things in my mind and even being judgmental of um, what was there and even some of the people. And, and I, I started being judgmental of the experience. I thought of ways that I, I could do it better or I wouldn't do that or I can't believe they're doing it this. And I'm, I'm normally a pretty friendly guy, but when I first got there, I wasn't friendly and I, I don't know what it was. If I, I, I think part of it was I was feeling intimidated by the experience. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a new young pastor of a, just a brand new small church and this thing was big and established and really nice. I think part of me felt threatened and it took me a while to snap out of it. Um, as it turns out, you know, the people that were putting on the event were extremely generous and very kind. The whole, the whole experience was, was very encouraging. It was, it was really well done. And I was driving away, you know, at the end, I was thinking, why is it whenever I'm in an environment that's different than what I'm used to, it's just so easy for me to put up my shields <laughs> and get either defensive or critical emotionally and intellectually, I, I was surprised at how much I had to sort through. And today we're going to look at a story of a man who got to meet up with Jesus. And he wanted to ask some questions. He wanted to, to learn some more. But right away, the answers that he got were very different than what he was expecting. And he didn't quite know how to respond. Sitting there with Jesus, his shields were probably up. And uh, maybe he was defensive too, I don't know. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor here of Valley Lights Church, and um, I'm really glad that you've joined us today. And go ahead and put your contact info either in the chat or on our connection card if you're watching this now. And I'd love just to follow up and say thanks for joining us and connect with you a little bit more. But today we're in a message series called Come and See. 
and we've been looking at stories from the New Testament book of John, which is a biography of the life of Jesus, one of the, one of four, and stories of people that, that came to see who Jesus was really like. And I often read stories like this out of the Bible, and I think, some things don't change. <laughs> people are still people, and a few thousand years ago, we find people wrestling with some of the same tensions and issues. So today we're going to look at John chapter 3. And some people have really got some intellectual barriers to sort through. Um, we'll read a story that highlights the reality that many are outwardly religious, but inwardly unsure. Many are outwardly religious, but inwardly they're unsure. And this chapter begins with an encounter that Jesus has with a religious rule follower named Nicodemus. He ran with an elite group called the Pharisees. And they were very legalistic. They saw themselves as more distinguished than common Jews. And he was a part of the Sanhedrin, which is a group of about 70 um, Jewish men, leaders that, were, that they formed this governing council for the nation of Israel. And it wasn't, it wasn't just religious. It actually had some political and judicial roles as well. So it's kind of like, it, it, you know, if you were to draw a comparison, maybe like, a member of the, our Supreme Court going to meet with Jesus. And so we read about this. It starts in verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs unless God were with him. And so he comes at night, and this guy, Nicodemus, he, he was sincere. He really was wanting to learn more. But maybe he was concerned about getting spotted with Jesus. Um, and you, you might be listening today, and you thought, you know, if some of your closest friends or family members knew that you were watching an online church service, maybe you'd have some questions to answer. <laughs> maybe logging on for, to a church is uh, very different than the road that you've been on in the past and maybe in the past few years of your life. We don't know exactly why the meeting happened at night. It could have just been that that was the only time that Nicodemus and Jesus had for an available slot of time. Either way, it's, it's away from the, the crowds. And so he respectfully says, you know, Rabbi, it's a term of respect. He says, basically, all my friends and I, these other leaders, we've been watching you, and I'm taking it all in. I'm looking at the facts and what I can see, and I'm sifting through your teachings, watching your miracles, and God clearly has his hand on you. God, God's working through you. And Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but does that seem like sort of a strange response? <laughs> Maybe there was more dialogue, I don't know, but... Um, Nicodemus just finished giving Jesus a lot of honor, setting up this conversation, and Jesus just, I think he just goes right to the main issue. The, the thing he, that Nicodemus is wanting to know about, it's the kingdom of God. It's, it's some big picture issue that would really interest Nicodemus. It's what he studied. He wanted to know Jesus' thoughts on it. And, and like, like, like I said, this guy is sorting through spiritual issues probably there was already some like interest in his heart and in his mind that God was stirring up a desire to learn more. And there may have been times that you felt similar where you feel stirred to learn and, and to, to find out more about the whole God and Christianity thing. Maybe there's a, a, 
unusual interest in spiritual or eternal matters. And so Jesus responds that way about being born again, which maybe is even a phrase that you've heard before. And so Nicodemus says, how can anyone be born when he's old? So he, he, he jumps back into the conversation to you. How can anyone be born when he's old? Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus is talking about spiritual rebirth, not physically being reborn. Maybe that seems obvious to us. Um, certainly Nicodemus would be familiar with a spiritual rebirth concept because that's actually, this phrase is what they use when they talked about um, people who converted to Judaism and were baptized and they converted to the Jewish religion. This is how they described it. Um, but it wouldn't be something that Nicodemus would think would apply to him because people born Jewish were thought to be entitled to all the privileges of the people of God. And uh, Nicodemus assumed he's got to be talking about physical rebirth. There's no way, it would be absurd to even imply that Nicodemus, a religious leader, would, would need any kind of spiritual rebirth. How could a respectable teacher like Jesus be so absurd to teach something so inaccurate? And so here's a response to bring some greater clarity. Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the Spirit is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit, I'm sorry, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, do you feel like this clarifying answer clarifies much for you? <laughs> it didn't really for Nicodemus. He says, how can these things be? I think there's still questions. And, and just as a, an aside, I don't know, have you ever read the Bible and you've wondered, what does that mean? What is, what did I just read? That, that's definitely happened to me. I, I read something, I'm like, what? what? What is this even saying? Actually, my understanding of this passage that we're reading right now is something I was a little foggy on until I studied it more this week. And I, I have some tools and, and ways of doing that. And my understanding of the Bible develops as I go and, and I, I'm able to get a, bigger, uh, a better handle on it. But I wanted to, to let you know, I know that the Bible can be confusing but it is so good. It's so good. The, the truths that get unlocked when we study are so helpful. And um, there's such an encouragement and an understanding of, of life that develops from that. And so I just wanted to say that because if you are interested in learning, how do I even study this thing? How do I come to a passage that's confusing and begin to learn more about it? I've, I've got some tools and some ways of doing that. But where Jesus is going with this, and I will explain what, what he's talking about, but it's on the topic of where are you going in life right now and where are you headed after this? What is your life all about? It's a pretty important question. And a lot of people think when it comes to those big life direction questions, they think, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a good person. I'm adequately religious. I, I may even be a Republican. <laughs> I'm just focused right now on, on living out a good life here and now. And people may say, I, you know, I'm not perfect, of course, but at least I'm not like the people who do really crazy stuff. In the end, my good is going to outweigh my bad. 
And that's kind of a natural thought for people to have. The words of Jesus here give really valuable insight to anyone that may have that perspective on life. And he says, flesh gives birth to flesh. And he could have said, Nicodemus, you were born into the kingdom of Israel because you had Jewish parents that gave birth to a Jewish baby. <laughs> and for us, you know, Americans give birth to other Americans. That's how it works in, the, in, the, in a country kingdom sense. But there's something more that's required if we ever have any hope of entering the kingdom of God. And that's really what this conversation was about. Whether or not we gain access to God's country after this short life on earth is of supreme importance. Only the Holy Spirit can create spiritual transformation. When he says the Spirit gives life to spirit, that's what he's saying. Only the Spirit of God can bring about the spiritual rebirth that is required and that we so desperately need to get us into God's kingdom. And then Jesus uses that wind illustration. He's saying, you, you know about the wind. In fact, there's some blowing around today. <laughs> um, we hear it. I can hear it. The trees and the clouds are moved by it. Um, a few weeks ago at church in the park, our whole backdrop fell over. Actually, that happened twice because of the strength of the wind. And so we can't see it. We see the effects of it. We don't even totally know all the laws that govern every gust of wind. But it's there and it has an impact. You see the effects in a similar way of the Spirit of God as it moves in a person's life. It renews our hearts and it transforms our lives. It can knock things over or it can build things up. For me, that natural tendency, that I told you that story earlier where I, I moved so quickly to being critical and judgmental of people. And I got to be honest, it's amazing how easy I can move into that. But that's something the Lord has been working on in me for quite some time, and it, it used to be far worse. And God has graciously been blowing me in a new direction to, for me to become gracious. Instead of judging others, to judge myself and take joy in seeing the good in other people. That's something that he's been growing in me. And, and that's the change I've not been able to make on my own. If God's Spirit is at work in our lives, we'll see changes being produced. God will be moving us in a good direction. We can develop self-control over angry outbursts that just take over. We can become forgiving instead of resentful. Before, we may be focused on myself, or I'm focused on me and mine and my family only. And in place of that, he grows a heart for people that can blossom. Your life is blowing in a certain direction. Is it headed in a direction that you're glad about? If it's just your natural self, you're going to be blown around by your desires. Whatever makes sense to you at the time. God's Spirit makes positive transformation occur in our lives, culminating with our final entrance into His kingdom, where we will be totally renewed and made perfect and complete. Nicodemus was sorting. He was trying to get it figured out. He was trying to decide if he was going to even buy what Jesus said. His whole life was built on religious tradition that said, it's what you do that matters. And I think this is still the prevailing thought in our city. You, you know, maybe people that you live with or, or know or talk to, when it comes to morality, maybe even ethics, there's this big giant scale of good works that makes us feel secure and confident and justified. 
Religious legalism and tradition often have a numbing effect on people. The truth can be right at the tip of our noses, and yet we miss it. Nicodemus knew so much about religion and God and the rules. He was so familiar with what we would maybe call the church game, and yet he was stumbling over such a basic truth. And Jesus said, are you, a, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. This is a great example of somebody who was outwardly religious but inwardly unsure and still therefore outside of God's kingdom. He was even in close proximity to Jesus. And I would guess that Nicodemus was a pretty good guy. <laughs> he was probably a fairly moral person. You could, you could even speculate and say may, he, he, maybe he was even a, a pretty decent husband and father. One would think that maybe that's enough to enter the kingdom of God. But morality or things like social activism or giving to noble causes or, or even proximity to church and religion isn't enough. It's why Jesus clarified, you must be born again. And then this verse 11 we just read implies that Nicodemus didn't become a Christian or, or a Christ follower right away. But interestingly, we, I think sometime later he did. Later in the, this gospel, we read that he defended Jesus when a group of Jews were stirring up some sus suspicion about him. And, and then towards the end, he, after Jesus was crucified, he and a few others helped prepare Jesus for his body for burial. Burial. So this conversation stuck with him. His sorting eventually led him to believe, believe in and trust Jesus. And I, I would imagine that probably took a great deal of humbling. You know, he, was, he had some great status. Maybe his life was going well. At least, you know, his career and the way he was spending his time, he had a position that a lot of people would have loved to have. And to truly submit to Jesus, in light of all that, would have required a great deal of humility. Perhaps in your life, spiritual rebirth is something that hasn't happened yet. You might even be a churchgoer, outwardly religious, a good person. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we can't slide on in or drift into the kingdom of God. We get in when we commit. And we intentionally choose to respond to God's offer of grace through the death of his son, Jesus, which brings us eternal life. Jesus describes this a few verses later. And, and this is where we find what's probably the most referenced verse in the whole Bible. And it's John 3.16. He says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This verse has been reverberating throughout history. And how interesting, it's set in the context of a conversation with a guy who is a fairly moral, outwardly religious person. How much do we too need to hear and live by these words? In this verse, you know, we see how God gave his son. God giving his son describes the highest expression of love that we could possibly imagine. I don't know if you're a parent or if you have kids, but you know, for those of that you do, could, do you ever worry that someone 
might take your kids. This is like a parent's worst fear that someone would just like nab them outside your house and drive off with them. That would be horrifying. Or, or you know, there's been Christians throughout history that have had their kids forcefully taken for them. That's, that's like my worst nightmare. Imagine giving your kids over to people who want to do awful things to them. The depth of God's love was that he was willing to give his only son into the hands of bloodthirsty people so that he would be brutally killed on behalf of us who are guilty to redeem us from eternal sorrow. That is why Jesus came. And in case there was any confusion, the next sentence states why Jesus did not come. (laughs) In verse 17 it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, which may be a surprise to some, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe in him is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Jesus did not come to condemn us. We do that to ourselves when we reject him. For some people, you know, maybe we just tip a hat to Jesus and to God and pat the Bible on the back. (laughs) We might acknowledge that Jesus lived and died on the cross maybe and it not really intersect with everyday life. Truly submitting to him as the king in every area of my life is something that we're reluctant to do. This conversation with Nicodemus finishes, they wrap it up, at least the part that we have recorded is wrapped up with Jesus explaining why we tend to resist submitting to him. He says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. In this conversation, there is so much hope. There's a promise of such a good life now and an eternal life in, in, in eternity in the kingdom of God. Wrapped up with the uncomfortable news that we will all face judgment. We condemn ourselves and then one day we will face judgment for that. And in this story, we we read about Jesus compassionately, patiently talking with a man who was sorting. He was trying to decide how legitimate Jesus was. And so I wanted you to hear from one of our church members who also went through a period of sorting. And Jackie is uh, one of the girls on our team. She moved out to Santa Clarita with us to help start this church. And um, she has had huge faith to, to come out here, to uproot your life, and to get an apartment, and, and to be a part of this journey. And so there's really no question as to whether she's totally entrusted her life to Jesus. But it wasn't always so obvious. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard her story before, and, and she initially decided to trust Jesus in her teenage years, and then living that out took some additional sorting later during college years. And so, um, I would like for you to, to take a minute and you can hear from Jackie. Um, so I kind of came to Christ in high school. That's when like my relationship with him became real for me. Um, but then uh, beginning in college, um, I started to uh, kind of have a pull to live for myself and live a little bit more selfishly. 
And so um, I had a season where I felt like I was reaching out to him and he wasn't responding. And so I kind of just convinced myself that he just wasn't showing up for me. And, um, and so after a few months of that, I just you know, kind of convinced myself, I'm just gonna live my way um, and I'm gonna live selfishly. And so um, that lasted for about two years. And at the end of the two years, I actually was trying to switch schools. I was going to a Christian university at the time. And so I had a desire to leave. And, you know, um, I, looking back, my life would have been really, really different had I left. Um, and I remember at that time, um, that I was trying to leave, I just was short by like one uh, class or two classes. Like everywhere I tried to apply to try to go to, um, I just felt like I kept getting ripped off because I was a really good student and I somehow was not able to transfer to all the schools that I wanted to go to. And so it just wasn't adding up to me and I remember being really angry at God. And then I kind of had to sort that because I had at that point like started to like question him entirely and so and especially because I hadn't been seeking him for the last year and a half and so when I was you know feeling anger towards him of why he wasn't letting me leave this school to go down this other path that I wanted to go down um, I really had to sort through that and so um, that really opened up the door for me to um, realized that the last two years he had actually protected me in a lot of ways and he was protecting me then that he wasn't allowing me to leave and uh, all the way back to those you know first handful of months where I felt like I was seeking him and he just wasn't responding and then I just gave up um, you know the Holy Spirit really laid it on me that during that season I actually was coming to him with uh, a really disingenuous heart I was checking the boxes and I was, you know, reading my Bible and convincing myself that I was doing what I needed to do, kind of like holding up my end of the bargain. And he just wasn't showing up with for me. But it really was like I was coming to him uh, hoping that he wasn't going to show up and not expecting him to show up because I didn't, I didn't want him to show up because then he would show me that my ways weren't right. He would show me that living selfishly was wrong. And I was really sorting through um, a season of like, what is my purpose in life? Um, what am I here for? Ultimately, you know, at the end of my life, like what, it, what is there gonna be to say about my life? Like, is anybody going to be better when I'm gone? Like, am I gonna leave this place any better than it was before I was here? I had tried really hard to do it my own way and I had, uh, you know family and friends and school and I had my health and I had like all the things that of the world standards should have made me complete and should have made me happy um, but I ultimately just had something within me that wasn't f fully complete there was still something missing there was still something that I wasn't truly truly um, like free and happy and that was a season when God you know he was he just revealed to me that it's because I was living for myself and my purpose in life is to live for him and to um, honor and glorify him with my life and everything else will flow through that. I had to kind of move away from those friendships that I was in and start making different decisions and prioritizing, you know, finding a church community that I felt um, 
challenged um, and that I could be encouraged and that I can learn like how to do life with him and, and how to live a God-honoring life. And so um, I was able to find a church that I uh, grew a lot in and I had really, really strong community in. And um, from there, um, I've just been continuing to work towards growing with him and uh, here I am. I'm really encouraged by Jackie's story because, you know, she, she decided to follow Jesus early on and there were parts of Christianity that she understood initially, intellectually, but when it came to the question, who's going to lead my life, that was up for grabs for a period of time. And living out that commitment to God in everyday life, it took more time to settle. I love hearing other people's stories. I'd love to find out from you, what's your spiritual journey? Everyone's got one. And I love picking out the stories and the, and the parts where God was working behind the scenes. And for those of us who are spiritually born again, like Jesus says, there are some distinctions. There's some things that we've done. For one, we believe that Jesus is God's son who died on the cross for our sins. Another thing is that we repent and turn away from doing life my way, independent from God. And repentance, it means flipping a U-turn. <laughs> Some people may know about Jesus, but are unwilling to repent, to, to really turn and go his way. Because my way just makes sense to me. My way, it just feels right. I don't, I don't like being told that I'm going the wrong way. There's an old movie called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with John Candy and Steve Martin, and they are late at night driving, and they get onto the wrong side of the freeway. They're going the wrong direction. And... Someone who's on the right side of the road is driving parallel to them and they're trying to shout, you know, across the freeway, you're going the wrong way. And uh, the guys say, they say, how do they know where we're going? Yeah, they, they, they must be drinking. It's late at night. And then before you know it, they're smushed between two tractor trailers. <laughs> they were going the wrong way. And in terms of life direction, eternity and spiritual matters, we can find this chilling verse in the book of Proverbs that says, there is a way that seems right to a person, but in the end, it's, it is the way to death. And so repentance is meaning we turn. We turn from our way that seems right, and we turn and go his way. Another thing for Christ followers is that we confess Jesus as Lord or boss, which means at a certain point, we say one big yes to God followed by lots of little daily yeses, meaning that we accept Jesus' leadership from that point forward. He moves in and he begins to change our lives. And if you've done those things, you've believed, repented, and confessed, and followed and yielded, if that describes you, then you're a Christian. You have stepped into the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. But maybe there's things that you're still sorting. Maybe there are doubts that you need clarity on. We all go through doubts. I've, I've had plenty, even in my life as a believer. Maybe there's things that you need to act on, to demonstrate, to live out your commitment to God. Or maybe there's people around you that are sorting whether or not the Jesus thing is real and, and legitimate. Who around you might be sorting in that phase? And what role can you play in the process? Like Jackie, you can begin to prioritize God's kingdom in your life. 
And with Easter coming up in just a couple weeks, this is a great time of year to invite people to come and see what Jesus is all about and what is he like and what are his people like. Invite them to church and you can invite people to our events as well where they'll meet other Christ followers. And you can play a role in helping this church get off the ground. I would love that. There's a lot of opportunities right now to get involved. And part of our mission is to help people make sense out of following Jesus, to learn how to do that and experience the incredible goodness that comes from that. And if you are on the fence about Jesus, we would love to help you get more clarity on how to begin walking with him and take him seriously. It's no accident that you're listening here today to this or that someone invited you to check it out. Nicodemus couldn't drift into the kingdom. At a certain point, it seems like he nailed it down. He crossed the line of faith. What's keeping you from choosing to believe in him and entrust your life to him? What's keeping you from encountering that spiritual rebirth that we so desperately need? I'd like to invite you to come back and and tune in with us again next week. The conversation that we looked at today between Jesus and Nicodemus, it it was something that Nicodemus didn't expect. It was different than what he thought. But in the next chapter, we're going to see Jesus have a conversation that's even more shocking. He confronted someone who was different from him racially, different from him in gender, different social and economic status. And what he did was a shocking breach of social custom. And in this whole series, we're we're looking at the way Jesus interacts with people in different walks of life and the incredible impact that that has. So I hope you'll join us again. Let's take a minute to pray. Father, I thank you so much for sending your son. It's it's a gift far beyond, I I think, that I could even fully understand now. But we see your love in it, and Jesus, we see your compassion for those that are sorting through a life with you. Um, Help us to yield our lives to you and to see the power of God moving in us, kind of like the wind moves, even moving right now in my backyard, that it would work a transformation in our hearts that leads to blessing for us to, to, to be blessed, but also to be a blessing to others. And we thank you, Lord, for the way that you're growing our church. I'm so grateful that you're using my family and our team and others that are teaming with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, and I will talk to you later.